Good morning, everyone. Uh, it is such a privilege to be here again this morning, and um, it's such a privilege to once a year get the chance to share with you a little bit from God's Word. Um, I must say, I'm every year blessed more and more by preparing this than you will be from receiving it. Um, I'm just hoping that the Holy Spirit will open it all up for you um, so that it's not my own doing up here. So as we start, let's just start out in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for ble the blessing we have to be able to meet together to learn from you this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for taking our place in suffering and dying for our sin. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the gift of yourself to us who have accepted you and for the privilege we have to be guided by you in our daily lives. Lord, I pray that you would be present here today and that you would guide our words and prepare the ears of those that have to hear what you only have to share with us today. I pray that in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. So um, in sharing, I'm sharing with you this morning um, on the fruit of the Spirit, which is the series we're going through, and the fruit we're talking about today is patience. So please open your Bibles with me to Galatians 5. We're going to read from verse 16 to 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those, of, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So when I heard earlier this, this year what I was speaking about today, um, I shared it with my family at the dinner table. Um, and, and when they heard that I was speaking about patience, you could hear crickets. It was just <laughs> silence, a few wry smiles. Um, and, and I had to conclude that as my family knows me best, that maybe I'm not the most patient person out there. <clears throat> I would like to say in my defense that it's more a case, case of being partially OCD and just really efficient. Um, but perhaps I am wrong. One would think that as I'm working as a family doc in the BC healthcare system, that I should have the patient's thing figured out by now, but apparently that's not the case. I would venture that any of us, uh, wherever we walk in the week, are confronted daily by circumstances that test our patience. We all need more patience to not only deal with delayed parcels or standing in lines, but also with suffering and interactions with other people and their weaknesses and quirks in our, from our point of view. So what is this patience thing that is written about by Paul in the letter to the Galatians? The word Paul uses literally means long-tempered, 
long-suffering or forbearance. Chris Wright defines patience um, with the fo- as fruit of the Spirit as the ability to endure for a long time whatever opposition and suffering may come our way and to show perseverance without wanting retaliation or revenge. Or the ability to put up with the weaknesses and foibles of others, including other believers, and to show forbearance toward them without getting quickly irritated or angry enough to want to fight back. Now, I'm not sure about you, but this seems really difficult task for me to do. I have troubles when I wake up in the morning to tell myself, today I'm going to be patient, no matter what weird or irritating circumstances are going to come my way. I'm normally good till around 8 a.m., if I'm lucky. That would be about the time that I figured out that, what I, that I cannot do that out of my own good um, and that I need help. I would venture anyone else here has the same experiences. Um, we all need more patience. So th- the question is, how do we get more patience, um, this patience that Paul is writing about? For the answer to this, you're going to have to be really patient with me because we're going to go way back in your Bibles to Genesis 1. Um, In Genesis 1, we read about the creation of the world. And after everything was created, um, we read in verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our own likeness. And verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God created humans, me and you, in his image, in the likeness of him. When God looked at us, it was like looking into a mirror. We were reflecting his glory. That was our state before sin entered the world. After that first sin, that mirror that was reflecting God's glory was shattered into a million pieces. That reflection of God's character was unrecognizable. But God loves us too much for that to be our final state. He sent Jesus to suffer and die for our sins, and through his perfect sacrifice, that mirror was restored. We now have the ability to reflect the image of God. If we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that mirror is restored, and we are in a right relationship with God. We also have the promise that when we accept Jesus as our Savior, that we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Read Acts 2, verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. C.S. Lewis wrote, We are mirrors whose brightness, if we are bright, is wholly derived from the sun that shines upon us. We can only be truly patient or any other fruit of the Holy Spirit if we are able to reflect the character of the Holy Spirit. We do not have that light within it ourselves. We can only reflect it. And we can only reflect that if the Holy Spirit lives within us. We can only have the Holy Spirit living within us if we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So what does the Bible teach about this character trait of patience as a character trait of God? Listen to the word, words that God himself used to describe himself when he gave the Ten Commandments to Moses in Exodus 34, verse 5 to 7. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, 
keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving inequity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the inequity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. If one reads through the Old Testament, one can see repeatedly how God is warning Israel to change their behavior or suffer the consequences. The prophets were sent to warn his people for years to repent and to change. Yes, if we do read, we can see that Israel was punished and they were judged, but that did not happen quickly. God is always patient in protecting his children. Read the words of the prophet Micah in Micah 7, verse 18 to 19. Who is a God like you, pardoning inequity and passing over transgressions for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. God the Father himself shows patience in his own suffering. Listen to what it says in Jeremiah 31 verse 20. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. The wording here is not the wording of a young man yearning to see his girlfriend. It is that deep visceral love that a parent has for their child, and despite wanting to give them the best and keeping them out of harm's way, the child turns against him and screams at the parent and tells them to leave them alone and rather die. That is the suffering that God the Father is talking about here. And despite that abuse, showing patience towards us in love. God the Father is holding on, even through the suffering we are causing him. Jesus continues this remarkable patience with his disciples. For three years he lived with them. They were in his inner circle, and yet they didn't recognize him as the Messiah, even till the bitter end. Jesus patiently cared for every one of them, even Judas Iscariot, who would betray him. In John 13, verse 1, we read, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus chose to hold on to us through the suffering, and at the end, the death on the cross for you and me. Even now, God is patient with us. We are eagerly awaiting his return, but yet he is still patient. In 2 Peter 3, verse 8 to 9, we read, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So we can see that perfect patience is only possible through the character of God himself. And we can only have the fruit of patience if God himself, through the Holy Spirit, lives in us, and we are able to reflect that. But how can we reflect patience? Can we show that we are patient if we are sitting quietly cross-legged, chanting, and doing nothing? Surely that will be the image of patience, correct? Unfortunately, that is not true. We are only able to show patience if we are living in the real world, warts and all. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in Ro to the Roman Church in Romans 5, verse 1 to 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. It would seem that we will be able to reflect patience if we are going through suffering. It is through the process of suffering that we will become more like the character of God reflected within us. Jesus suffered for our sakes and he demonstrated great patience in doing that. We have the image of God reflecting through us with the Holy Spirit and that should model the way that we deal with suffering. It's again very important to mention that this is not something that we can do through ourselves. We have the Holy Spirit within us that is helping us to reflect his patience in these situations. We are not alone. We can hold on to him through the suffering. In James 5, verse 7 to 11, we read this. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed also. We consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. Our the Lord is compassionate and merciful. It is believed that James was referring to the prophet Jeremiah in this passage. Jeremiah was a prophet in the Old Testament that prophesied for 40 years against Israel to change their ways without success. Listen to what the Lord says to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 7, verse 27. So you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not listen to you. You shall call to them, but they will not answer you. Talk about patience. Jeremiah was told to prophesy for 30, 40 years, full knowing that no one will listen to him. How did he do that? I think the answer will become clear when we read about his calling in Jeremiah 1, verse 18 and 19. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. Jeremiah was able to show patience because God himself was with him. He had to deal with a stubborn nation who did not listen. He had to show the forbearance to not get irritated. He was not able to do that through himself, but only through the power of God that was reflected through him. James also makes mentions of Job. For those of you who do not know the story of Job, please go and read the book of Job in the Old Testament. To sum it up real quickly, Job was a rich man with a large family and was truly seen as blessed. He was a faithful man who feared the Lord. Through a cruel series of events, he loses all his belongings, his children, his standing in the community, and finally his health. In Job 1, verse 21 to 22, we hear the words of Job after he heard that he's lost his possessions and his children. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Job was real in his suffering, uh, and he did have a lot of questions for God. He was not afraid to ask these questions um, and to voice his pain and his suffering. But throughout his suffering, he did not curse God at all, and God did keep him safe. God made Job in his suffering, and with patience, did at the, uh, sorry, God did meet Job in his suffering, and at the end of the book, blessed him with more than he had in the beginning. Suffering with patience does not mean that we do not have real pain and emotions. It means that we hold on to the only one that is able to save us. It also means that we can trust in the one that will never let us go. These two men decided to hold on to God through the suffering that they experienced. So where do we need patience today? Where do we suffer? Where do we have to deal with grace to those around us who irritate us? I do not think we have to look very far um, around us to see that Christians and non-Christians are suffering all around us. But how and why should the way we suffer matter? How, why should it be different? Let us read the words of the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 4, verse 12 to 19. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share the, in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is a time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So to all of us who are suffering for Jesus' name's sake, we should not be surprised. To our brothers and sisters throughout the world being persecuted, fearing for their lives, their families' lives, economic annihilation um, and violence, we should pray for them to not retaliate but to experience the presence of God with them through his Holy Spirit, just as he promised. To those of us closer at home who are being ridiculed for our faith, we have to face backlash for living contrary to the culture of our time and place. We're excluded from social and professional events due to our faith. We should not quit doing what is good and right, but do it in a loving way so that the name of God will be glorified through our suffering. We should pray for the Holy Spirit's presence to be with us. To those of us suffering in our physical and mental health, to those who it seems always have a heavy cross to bear, Jesus carried that cross himself. He invites you in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. To those of you who are in a period of so-called limbo, those who are in between things and in transition, those who are earnestly seeking to hear his will, but being met with silence, Remember that sometimes when you are baking a bread, 
that there needs to be a period in the oven for things to mature. Jeremiah 29.14 says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I'll bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. As mentioned earlier today, in my day-to-day -day job, I have to deal with people who do not always agree with my suggestions. On a daily basis, we have to deal with different ideas and suggestions to what we know is correct. Sometimes my least favorite colleague is Dr. Google. <laughs> it is sometimes difficult to argue with research being done and blindly followed versus years of study and experience. It'll be quite easy for me to become irritated with this kind of behavior. But I always try to remember that if it was myself or my loved ones going through something serious, that I would do anything to try and help as well. Sometimes there are some helpful thoughts that come up as well. As long as I keep on looking and dealing with my patients the same way that Jesus modeled, it is easier to see their fears and anxieties and hopefully share a bit of peace in the storms that they are dealing with. How can we show this patience that is reflected in holding on through different sufferings we have learned about so far this morning? How do we get access to that patience um, at all um, that we are all, including myself, striving for and falling so far short on a daily basis? We've said before, patience is not something we can do on our own. We can only show patience if we're able to reflect the character of God himself. We have the Holy Spirit living in us already. How come he's not always as visible as we would hope? I think the answer can be found in that quote from C.S. Lewis that we heard earlier today. We are mirrors whose brightness, if we are bright, is wholly derived from the sun that shines upon us. If we have accepted Jesus as our Savior, that broken mirror was restored. But if our mirrors are full of smudge marks, handprints, toothpaste, grease stains, or any other filth, it will be very difficult to reflect that marvelous, glorious, victorious patience that is already living within us. We have to walk by the Spirit daily, and we will be more able to reflect His glory. We have to daily make the decision to follow the Holy Spirit rather than our previous nature. We have to know what God's will is for our lives, which means we have to spend time daily reading His Word and spending time with Him in prayer. We should spend time with our brothers and sisters here in the church and outside of the church, daily encouraging one another. We need to work on our relationship with God and with our neighbors. Now, before any of you sort of take me to task and say, well, that sounds like a lot of works and a little grace, uh, let me listen to, or listen to this quote by Dallas Willard. Grace, grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. Grace, you know, does not just have to do with forgiveness of sins alone. Now, here is the beauty of our relationship with God. He does not expect us to fix any of these things before we come to him. He does expect us to, to work on them when we, are, when we have met him. A good friend of mine from university once explained it like this. Imagine you go to your cabin uh, or cottage if you're east of Manitoba, as another good friend explained to me once, um, after the winter to open it up for the season. You get to the kettle and you want to make yourself some tea. But as you get to the kettle, the kettle is filled with flies. Now, you shoo the fly away, and the fly just pops off, and then it comes back on. How are you going to get rid of the flies? You plug the kettle in. 
And as the water slowly starts boiling, the flies will one by one pop off the kettle. We have to stay plugged into the Holy Spirit, and he will help us to reflect more of the glory, which is God's character within us. Now, as the worship team comes up, I want to close this morning with a real-life contemporary example of a man who exhibited patience and was able to model forgiveness in such a way that not only won him the Nobel Peace Prize, but changed the direction of a country. I'm talking about Nelson Mandela. I was born in South Africa when Madiba, which is how he was affectionately called, was in prison. The first time that I myself was allowed to vote was in the same election that people of all races in South Africa were allowed to vote for the first time. Nelson Mandela attended a Methodist church school growing up, and he was baptized in a Methodist church in his village in the Eastern Cape. In his autobiography, The Long Walk to Freedom, he talked of his early experiences with Christianity, praising its engagement with the society around him. He said, the church was as concerned with this world as the next. I saw that virtually all of the achievements of Africans seemed to have come about through the missionary work of the church. While attending University of Fort Hare, an elite black university in Alice in the Eastern Cape, Mandela became a member of the Student Christian Association and taught Bible classes on Sundays in nearby villages. Mandela was imprisoned in 1962 for life for conspiring to overthrow the government of the day after being involved in a sabotage, sabotage campaign against the government together with the South African Communist Party. He stayed in prison for 27 years till his release in 1990. Mandela said these words when he left prison. As I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead me to freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'll still be in prison. Upon his release from prison, Nelson Mandela modeled forgiveness and reconciliation to all South Africans, and he, together with the Archbishop Desmond Tutu, were instrumental in creating the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that played such a pivotal role in dealing with the previous hurts and building relational bridges. Nelson Mandela was a deeply religious man who kept his faith discreet in favor of his life work for reconciliation. We can choose to disagree with him on his choice to do that, but he himself said of himself, I'm not a saint unless you think of a saint as a sinner who keeps on trying. Nelson Mandela suffered for a long time for what he believed in. He stuck with his convictions and through the work of God had his heart softened to the point where he did not let resentment grow, but reconciliation flourish. Madiba modeled patience that can only be seen as a reflection of God's character through him, even with his faults. We can only model patience if we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us and bear the fruit that he has planted and cultivated in our lives. I want to finish with this blessing that, was, that made the elderly Madiba's face light up and the blessing that was said over him as he passed away. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with kindness and give you peace. Amen.